We move now to the scripture of the day. It is Exodus 3, 4, and 5, found in your bulletin. Please say it with me. Moses said, here I am. Then God said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Let us pray. Transforming Jesus, even now as we meet you on the journey of Lent, call us by name, challenge us, mold us, and shape us into your disciples. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Just ask Moses. Our God who loves us is full of surprises. Have you ever noticed in the Bible and in your own life that God has this uncomfortable habit of showing up where you least expect it? In the Bible, we see God in the burning bush, in the face of a Goliath, in a rough wooden cross, in a livestock feeding trough in Bethlehem. Turning our lives upside down from the very beginning, God has this radical love that seems to do this. Well, I believe that the call story of Moses helps you and I fully embrace our God-given surprises. Places of holy ground that we didn't expect where grace and mercy have become the foundation on which we stand with bare feet. Feet made to follow Jesus Christ, God's most amazing surprise of all. So let's lift our scripture passage from the pages of the Bible and into our own mental image of Moses and the burning bush. This is the first time that Moses encounters God, and he's out in the wilderness tending the flock, doing his own thing, being about his business, when all of a sudden, before him, there is this bush, and it's unconsumed by the flame. And it draws Moses to it. And as Moses turns to look upon this miracle, all of a sudden, there is this voice from God from the bush. And it's God's first command to Moses to take off his shoes. Now, this isn't a typical ask of God. It's the first time it actually shows up in all of the Bible. And Moses encounters God, removing his sandals just seems to be an appropriate sign of reverence, <clears throat> a sign of recognition that this is important, this space around them, a removal of any barriers between he and God, that taking off his sandals seems to be a symbol that Moses is about to open himself up to lay himself bare like his bare feet. Now perhaps this is a point in the story where some of us start to feel a little uncomfortable. I mean, what if we had been in Moses' sandals? Would we have been convinced to obey? Some of us might have thought, uh, yeah, right. This is not holy ground. I mean, who's kidding who here? This is just the surface of Mount Horeb. And whatever is going on with this shrub, uh, it's liable to start throwing off burning embers at any moment, so I'm not taking my sandals off. 
And if we'd responded like that, there's a good chance we would have missed our encounter with God. There's this woman we know and a man we know. They don't have to be named. We'll picture them in our minds. But for this sake, let's say it's a woman named Evelyn. She attended a worship service where the pastor was talking about his personal walk with Jesus. And in telling the story, he became a little teary. And as soon as he did, Evelyn lost the thread of the sermon by wondering if the pastor had the words weep here written in his sermon notes, you know, as a theatrical cue, perhaps. They might have been on holy ground. There could have been something that God wanted to tell Evelyn, something really important in that sermon to hear. But if so, she missed it because she had those shoes of skepticism on, laced up tight on her feet. Now, it's okay to have doubts. Jesus showed us that, to express them to God. To give God, though, a little room to work is always helpful. Moses removed his shoes, and God revealed this plan for his life. I mean, the plan was a big plan, one that he never could have imagined. I mean, a plan to bring God's suffering people out of slavery in Egypt with Moses being God's mouthpiece to Pharaoh. And Moses standing before God, his bare feet resting on holy ground. And God tells Moses, I will send you. And Moses replies, who am I? There's pushback. He's got this brother Aaron that is really good with words. He's convinced that he's sure God got it wrong. Send Aaron. We can almost hear the worry in his voice, the feelings of unworthiness and inadequacy filling his mind, let alone the thought of being murdered by Pharaoh for doing such an ostentatious call. But after all, Moses was a guy with the checkered past. He was born to an Israelite mother. He should have been killed as an infant, yet he was put in a basket in the reeds and found by Pharaoh's daughter, raised in Pharaoh's house, and eventually in Egypt. After killing an Egyptian, after um, beating a man, a Hebrew man, he builds a new life for himself. But isn't that how God kind of works, right? God has this habit we see in the Bible over and over again of calling ordinary people flawed people to do God's work in the world. I mean, the truth is, if we hear a lot of ourselves in Moses's response, that who am I rings a little bit close to the vest. It's a reminder that God is fully present in these moments of our own self-doubt, our own insecurities, and that God also invites us out of those places to stand with confidence and certainty in our status as a child beloved, a child of God. And God doesn't call Moses because he's perfect. God could have chosen anyone for that role, but God picked Moses. With all his flaws and shortcomings, all his gifts and abilities, God chose him for who he was, just as God calls each one of us He's chosen each of us to be a part 
of God's hands and feet and words in the world. So I guess the big question of this passage is, how do we find holy ground in the daily happenings of our lives? So we can make sure to throw off our metaphorical shoes and not be hindered. Well, how about this? Jesus taught us that sometimes we find the profound in the simple. So what about when we're taking a walk when that idea finally occurs to us about some change we've been needing to make in our life that we've been struggling with for weeks, and then that idea occurs? Or how about when you're reading a book, something you've read, and suddenly it comes alive for you? Or how about being in the midst of an argument with a family member, you're quite angry, and then something clicks inside your head, and you remember that despite all the anger, you truly love this person. The realization that can cause a shift under you that suddenly there's a holy opportunity regarding your relationship with that person. Or what about when you're snowed in and you can't drive to work and you're frustrated because all you can think about is your big to-do list, but then you remember that just yesterday. In your prayer, you said, God, if I could only have a little bit more time, and now you have a day to find yourself again, to perhaps find rest. Or how about being busy with the responsibilities of the day when a child asks you to read him a story? Or how about being in the midst of an adversity, feeling down, feeling alone, and then you receive one of those I'm thinking of you, I love you cards or texts or emails from a friend. Or maybe it's that time you went off to college you may call that an opportunity, but then at some point during the first year, it hits you that you're not self-supporting, that your presence on campus is possible only because of the financial sacrifices made by your parents, by those who set aside scholarship funds. Or how about that fork in the road where you feel you're like you're at a standstill and all of a sudden, some friend that knew you well in your past calls you out of the blue and says, you know what, I feel that I need to tell you something. And what that is, is a point in the direction that you should go. You know, those examples don't overly refer to God or to Christ. However, Jesus himself preached from ordinary places using ordinary things like holding a tiny mustard seed between his thumb and his index finger. When we think our faith in Jesus is so very small, and then we find out that with him we can move mountains, not only in our lives or the people around us, but even in the world. And I call that everyday holiness, those little life lessons. And when it comes to the concept of holiness, we will recognize that there are elements in those moments that I described that go beyond the ordinary, beyond the routine, beyond the mundane. There is something about them that if we are alert, tells us not to let the moment slip by without giving thanks or saying I'm sorry or saying I love you to someone 
or changing our attitude or taking an exploratory step in a new direction we think God may be leading us. Now make sure when you're on holy ground that you don't miss the danger sign that's right out there. It's there to remind us that the ground beneath our feet is holy. But imagine, for example, hearing a sermon that challenges a certain attitude or a way of living and sitting there thinking, well, I sure wish so-and-so was here to hear this. He really needed it. And never considering for a moment that the sermon might also fit our own attitude and circumstance. You see, God chose us for who we are. The world may call us ordinary, but God makes us extraordinary. And Jesus said, you did not choose me, I chose you to send you out to produce fruit that will last. We are to be God's hands and feet in this world. And God calls each of us to various things. Maybe that's playing music or designing a computer system. Maybe it's parenting, starting your own business. Maybe God is calling you to volunteer at an organization you've supported for years. Or maybe volunteering at church or going back to school or risk starting a new relationship or setting up an appointment with a counselor to talk about why your heart's so heavy. God is with us. And wherever our feet rest, God is there, especially in the ordinary days of our lives. And this is how God tends to work in the world by calling everyday people like you and me to do extraordinary things, to stand on holy ground, not in spite of our flaws, but because of them, because of who we are fully ourselves. And just as God spoke to Moses out of the burning bush thousands of years ago, God too calls to each one of us, welcoming us to holy ground with our unique gifts and strengths, our flaws, our weaknesses, because those are the things that make us who we are. And this is not a call that invites us to check a part of ourselves at the door before we head out, but rather invites all parts of ourselves in to the holiest of spaces, to stand on holy ground before the creator of the universe and questions in hand. Who am I, Moses asked. I've asked. I'm sure you've asked in your own way. And God responds with this simple reminder God calls Moses, me, you, not according to our works, by what we've done, but according to God's purpose. And God calls us, not because we are holy, but to make us holy. And God calls us to see our burning bush and to keep it forever aflame. God calls each one of us to rekindle the gifts that God has given us from within to rekindle through the practices of Lent, but to take it out of Lent all year round. Worship, prayer, mission, Bible study, fellowship. So my prayer for us today is that we unleash every dormant gift within us, that we get lost in the wonder of our surprising God with the gifts we had long forgotten and can share 
or perhaps gifts and talents we know we have, but now today, God is calling us to share them on this holy ground, which is wherever your feet are resting right now, in the church, at home, wherever you are, the voice of God is calling you to be sustained and surprised by God's love in your life. So may every one of us respond today. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Amen.